Walking with Jesus, serving with love, and sharing with courage. Welcome to the PCOM Daily Prayer Podcast. Welcome back to the PCOM Daily Prayer Podcast. I'm Pastor Courtney. It is so good to be with you this Thursday morning, May 7th. I'm really, really excited to introduce you to author and deacon of her church, Alicia Akins. Alicia, how are you? I'm good, Courtney. Thanks for inviting me to chat with you today. It's really, really fun to have you here. I want to let our listeners know that you are in Washington, D.C., other side of the country, but you are a Presbyterian sister. Tell us about yes. your church out there. Um, I go to Grace, D.C., downtown. It is one of a network of three churches that's a part of the PCA, and um, each of the churches has their own unique flavor. Um but we are able to pull resources uh, around the calendar year, but especially during this time um, of the um, coronavirus um, to be able to share different resources that we have. So we have uh, the ability to draw on three different sets of worship leaders and three different sets of pastors. And um, it's really a joy to get to worship with um, these brothers and sisters, both in good times and um, in times like today. I hear of these pastors who have multiple campuses and I'm like, ah, woof, we can, we can barely manage one campus. <laughs> That's just a different animal. But I love your description that they all kind of have their own unique identity and unique flavor. Are you at the Strawberry Church? It's downtown, the Strawberry one. <laughs> <laughs> I'm at the vanilla one. <laughs> the vanilla. That's awesome. Uh, and for those of you listening, I the... The PCA is a branch of the Presbyterian Church, and our denomination is the PCUSA. So they have some differences in theology, but they're united in their love for Jesus and in their foundational belief um, of the centrality of Christ and the resurrection of Christ. And so we have a lot more in common than, than we have that's different. That was my tutorial for the day. I'm going to take my professor hat off now. <laughs> Alicia, will you tell us about yourself? What do you do out there in D.C., and what does your life look like in the age of coronavirus? Yeah. So um, by day, I work in international education. Um, I work with students and scholars coming from the East Asia Pacific region to do uh, research and pursue academic studies in the U.S. Um, so as you can imagine, now um, things are crazy with universities shutting down and um, with countries closing their borders every day. Um, a lot of the day-to-day -day work um, that I'm dealing with these days uh, deals with how to get people home. Uh, for example, I have the South Pacific um, Island nations in my caseload and many of those countries, none of those countries have direct flights from the U.S. Um, and you can't, uh, if you're not a citizen, you can't fly through Australia, which is the normal place to land. So we're trying to find ways to either keep people here longer than they should be without having them go out of status in the United States or get people back sooner than they should be uh, so that they don't miss their window to travel. Um, when things aren't falling apart in the, in the world, I help people flourish their academic programs, mm -hmm. go to the schools of their dreams, and do research that um, 
is really innovative and um, cutting edge with universities in the United States. That was really, really cool. And it, it sounds like a bit of a difficult pivot, just like just like everyone right now. This is what I used to do. And this is what I'm currently doing in the same field, but it, it looks a little different. And I know you have some, you have some experience with that part of the world. Didn't you live over there for a while? Yes. So I have spent seven years of my 36 uh, living in Asia. I lived in Japan for two years as a child, and I don't remember much of it. Um, But I lived in China for three years after finishing my undergraduate degree. And then I went to Laos for two years after finishing my master's degree. And so that is that part of the world is my second home. I've only been to Asia and Jamaica. <laughs> I've never been to <laughs> Europe or anywhere else. Um, one day I'll make it there, but I've been to most of Asia. Um, I've studied multiple languages from the region. My master's is in China studies. All of my professional experience, with few exceptions, has been related to the East Asia Pacific region. So it was actually interesting, um, before the coronavirus made it to the United States, a lot of my meetings at work were about it anyway, because it Mm -hmm. was affecting U.S. students who were studying abroad and pursuing international education programs in China in Japan and Korea were in Hong Kong where there were really early outbreaks. So for a couple of months, we were hearing about it a lot at work from the other side. And then it just sort of traveled across the globe within our own little team of people who work on the East Asia Pacific. Um, And so it's kind of neat. Like I kind of know about things that are going on all over the world now with this. Yeah. Um, Like the Argentina is closing their borders until the end of September and um, you know, just kind of crazy things that I wouldn't expect to know about travel restrictions in certain parts of the world. But I do have a very deep um, and strong love for Asia, and I'm always happy to chat about that. Hmm. Well, Alicia, you and I got to know each other through a writer's group and chat a little bit here and there on Marco Polo and things like that. And I always appreciate about our conversations that you you always seem to find your way back to Jesus at a certain point in the conversation or prayer or these rhythms are just so deep for you. And it's a constant encouragement to me as a pastor to not be the one in that conversation who's like, well, we should pray, right? Like it's there for you. It's right on the tip of your tongue and um, I can see your deacon's heart. So I would just love to hear, um, and I know our people would love to hear, what are some rhythms of prayer that we can lean on in this season where it does feel like everything's up in the air and everything's changing and and at the same time, nothing is changing, right? Daryl and I found some old paint in our garage and painted a room of our house because we were just so tired of looking at the mm. same colored walls, right? We were desperate for novelty, but at the same time, it does feel like things are changing out there so rapidly. Where is Jesus in the midst of it and how can rhythms of prayer be a lifeline for us? Um, That's a great question, Courtney. Uh, It is an interesting um, phenomenon to go from being people who are busy, uh, especially DC, like the kind of stereotypical answer to how you're doing is busy. And if you Mm. say anything else, um, people look at you like you have two heads. Um, But to go from that sort of a rhythm to one where you're not entirely sure what day of the week it is, (laughs) You don't know when the last time it was that you did X, Y, or Z thing that you used to do on a regular basis. 
when you refer to a conversation that you had last week, but it was really two months ago, or maybe it was yesterday. Um, I think the sameness of um, being within the same four walls and having the same narrow group of people that you're interacting with <clears throat> really makes rhythm um, a new challenge because what is there to break it up? There isn't a natural, I go to work, I go to the gym, I go, you don't go anywhere anymore. And so <laughs> right. kind of in place and um, even though that might be the situation that we find ourselves in, I think it's even more important um, during these times to create those sort of rhythms for ourselves. Um, even on a non-prayer level, I know that I've seen um, advice out there saying that you should find ways to break up your day. Um, but I think, especially when it comes to prayer, that... Um, finding a rhythm of prayer during this time, especially because you might know the same things that you'll um, be dealing with. Like tomorrow, <laughs> you'll have the same challenges maybe that you had with your kids and you had that you had today, or that because we've kind of had the same day over and over again, maybe we're better able to anticipate where some of our areas of weakness are. Uh, and we're really able to sort of focus on those. It's like um, I studied music as an undergrad, and um, there are two ways that you can practice something. You can practice the same piece of music over and over again, or you can practice the bits that you have a hard time with and really focus on those um, and really like dig into them, see what's at the bottom of them, why you're not able to get it under your fingers. Um, and so I think taking that approach to prayer rather than always being a generalist when it comes to prayer and just kind of praying for everything or a good day or my sin generally, like really taking time to dig into what area it is that's giving you trouble. And I think in the situation where there is so little variety in our lives, a lot of those things are able to come to the surface. And um, we're in a unique position where um, we have the time, <laughs> some of us, and um, even the site to um, deal with them. Mm, that's a really, really insightful way to put that. I, I think some of our folks who are listening right now are listening because they feel like they have a thousand hours in their day. <laughs> and some of our folks are listening and they feel like they, they have 30 seconds in their day. Mm. But the beauty of the rhythms of prayer that you're talking about is you know, they, they can meet us where we are and prayer can expand to fill those hours or fill, prayer can overlay the things that we're already doing. We can be changing a diaper and praying. We can be taking a shower and praying. We can be washing dishes and praying. And it is a really unique opportunity to not just blow through that prayer list, right? God bless this, this, this. Thank you, God, yeah. for this, this, this. But to really say like, where where are the weaknesses in my in my soul, in my walk with God? Or where are the areas that I know I want to grow and, and viewing this time as an opportunity and not just a, a prison sentence. Yeah. I think, um, I'm not married, but, um, a lot of people talk about marriage as a, a new level of, or a new way to experience sanctification. And here's this other human that brings out these parts of you that you didn't know that you had. And I think that coronavirus can confirm. is the same I can't confirm that on the marriage thing. <laughs> so I didn't know how selfish I was. And then I got married and I was like, oh, I have issues. <laughs> Jesus needs to work on me. But I think we're all learning new levels of our selfishness through this. Like, yes. I don't think that there's anyone that is coming out of this as certain of 
who they thought they were before they came into this. Like yeah. when I was living overseas, um, bef- the second time when I lived in Laos, I lived somewhere where there was no internet um, or very spotty internet all the time. <clears throat> where um, they're like, everything seemed very under-resourced. And I remember one night um, crying in the middle of the night because I couldn't use the internet. (laughs) Yeah. And I was like, what kind of person are you, Alicia? You're crying right now in the middle of the night because you can't use the internet. Like, what does that say about your reliance on the internet? And I was trying to get in touch with my family and it was difficult. And so part of it's like, yes, you love your family, but a part of it's also like, maybe you're over-relying on this thing. Yeah. Um, and so I feel like in a way that this is, this is, it can be um, a sanctifying tool if we're quiet and if we listen and if we're observant about the ways that our lives are shifting and our moods are shifting throughout the day, we can see like, new ways that we are that maybe we couldn't see before because things were constantly changing. Mm. So how do we do that? Because I think for most of us, when we feel discomfort, the goal is to alleviate the discomfort, right? Not to press in, not to say, God, what are you doing here? How, how do we lean into those rhythms when, you know, I, I think most of us go through a thousand different emotions in the day and that alone is exhausting, right? There's hope and then yeah. there's frustration and then there's despair and then there's sadness and then there's grief and then there's excitement. And, you know, it, it, it just, the days really do feel like a thousand years right now. <laughs> so how can we lean, what are some practical ways we can lean into some of these things? Yeah. So I can think of a few um, ways. Um, a couple of years back, um, or maybe yesterday. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> Who even knows, ago. right? Who even knows? <laughs> um, for Lent, I gave up daydreaming. And it's kind of like a weird thing. Like, how do you give up daydreaming? And when I caught myself thinking about something that I would like to be in a way different than it currently was, um, or some way that I was deeply dissatisfied, I kept a little notebook with me and I would write that thing down. Um, just write it down. I wouldn't write like a long explanation about it or whatever. And then at the end of the day, I would take that list and I would bring those things to the Lord in prayer. Didn't have to be an hour long prayer session, but just saying, Lord, I noticed today that these are some areas where I was really dissatisfied with what you've given me, what I have. These are some things that I would like to be different Um, and praying about them. And then even asking, Lord, can you show me how you satisfy this particular thing that I desire or how you're still good, even though I don't have X, Y, or Z thing. So I think taking note um, of those things, even if you're jotting them down quickly, can be helpful. Like when people go on diet plans, they say like one of the things you should do to keep track is keep track of what you're eating because you might be eating more than you think you're eating. I had <laughs> no so idea even- I was ingesting all those Tootsie Rolls. <laughs> I had to take keep a diet log for my midwife when I was pregnant with Felicity and she was like, you've got to stop that. I was like, oh, they're so good. Yeah. I didn't know. <laughs> and so I think that that can be helpful for us spiritually too. Just kind of mm taking our temperature on a regular basis. Maybe it's you keep it and then on Sundays as a part of your Sabbath, you review it and you pray if you don't have time at the end of every day. Um, But that's one thing that I can think of. And then another way that I think you could incorporate rhythms of prayer into your life is to have some sort of um, trigger that you identify. So like maybe every time you go down the stairs, you say a prayer for a different person in your house, or maybe, um, you, whenever you go to the bathroom, 
and maybe you share a bathroom with someone and you know, like, I'm going to go to the bathroom. I'm going to be stressed because it's not going to be to the level of cleanliness that I want it. <laughs> and I say that as the messy person. <laughs> I was going to say you have some roommates who you thrown under the bus, but it's No, you. I'm throwing myself under the bus. But <laughs> like, say a prayer, you know, before you go into the bathroom or just finding these moments in the day where you can anticipate that maybe you're going to be frustrated or disappointed. Maybe it's before you call your family or maybe it's uh, after your kids finish playing and you know you're going to walk into a room and there's going to be toys everywhere and you just cleaned. Or whatever situation it is that you know that might end up getting you um, riled up to like take some time, jot down a prayer for that specific situation on a note card, keep that in your pocket. And then before you walk into that situation to take it out and read it. Um, and that that could be a way to sort of reset before going into that situation. I think maybe like every time I go into the garage, I'll say a prayer or every time I <laughs> open the refrigerator, <laughs> Yeah. for something, but to identify some kind of trigger that you can use of an action that you know you'll be doing regularly um, as a reminder that you need to do this thing or that thing. And one thing we have in our, in our house, in the back of our pantry door, um, is a list of things that we're grateful for. <clears throat> mm -hmm. And we go into the pantry all the time. So it's impossible to get food out without seeing what we're grateful for. Um, and I'm grateful both for the list, but also for the placement of it, because it's not something that I can forget. So I think finding some sort of trigger and finding some way to make um, the prayer, whether it's a prayer of Thanksgiving or a prayer of petition visible, um, mm -hmm. would be a great sort of way to keep with the rhythm. I love that. I, I've been hearing from a lot of our folks and I've been feeling it myself, this just pandemic brain fatigue where I used to be able to hold more things in my mind than I can right now. Just the stress of working and parenting and you know the general stress of living through a global pandemic kind of yeah. has worn on all of us. But when there are ways that we can have um, triggers or reminders that are just built in as part of our life that we've decided when I walk in the bathroom to brush my teeth, I'm also going to pray for this person, or I'm going to confess to God my frustration, or um, that's, a, that's a really beautiful thing because no matter who we are, and no matter where we're living right now, and no matter what our situation is, we have things that are these regular habits for us that we're going to do anyway. So if you drink coffee every morning, how can you pair a prayer with that? Or when you crawl into bed at night, yeah. How can you pair a prayer with that? Or mm -hmm. I love the example of you just cleaned up and the toys are on the floor. One of the things, this is sad, but one of the things I miss the most is being able to leave my house with my kids for half a day or a full day and coming home and having the house still be clean because it is just in a constant state of being destroyed right now. And I feel like <laughs> there's, no, there's no relief. I miss taking my kids somewhere and coming home and knowing that the toys will still be on the shelf. Mm -hmm. um, but that's, that's so helpful and it's so simple. It doesn't require me to memorize something in Hebrew. God bless you. <laughs> Alicia and I bonded over her love of Hebrew and my hatred for it. So she, <laughs> she, is, she is guilty <laughs> far and above me in her Hebrew studies. I barely made it through that section of seminary, uh, which reminds me, Alicia, you're, you're in seminary right now. Tell us a little bit about what you're studying. Um. Yeah, so I am currently a student at Reformed Theological Seminary's DC campus, and um, I've been taking class there for about two years now, and this semester I'm taking the prophets class, 
And actually, it was really interesting. <clears throat> a huge section of the prophetic books talk about um, what it will be like when Israel is taken into captivity, right before they're taken into captivity, and what it will be like when they're restored to their land. And so earlier in the semester, I was doing a lot of reading on restoration and um, it was right as coronavirus things were picking up in the United States. And um, there were passages about how um, the streets would be empty and mm -hmm. about how old people would be vulnerable. And the loss of old people in communities would be one of the signs that Israel was um, about to be taken into captivity. And um, all of these other things that seem to be things that were happening in real life at the moment I was reading about Ooh. them, um, about like the sound of bride and groom no longer heard. And I have lots of friends who are engaged or um, seriously dating who are now questioning when or if they'll be able to get married during this time. Um, and there's been a halt to large kinds of wedding gatherings. So um, it's been interesting to think about um, the parallels between what I'm studying in class now um, yeah. and what's going on in the world and thinking about the kind of hope that um, pro the prophets held out for the people of Israel mm -hmm. when they were restored and when the voice of the bride and the bridegroom came back. And when streets were again populated and when old people would congregate on the sides of the road with each other and their canes. Um, and so um, it's been an interesting season to have this class um, and to be going through this um, global pandemic at the same time um, and be thinking about how the Lord might be at work in this um, and what might be on the other side. So um, yeah, I'm a student. I'm in the <laughs> Masters of Arts and Biblical Studies program and um I'm loving it so far. And that's just another example of how whatever you're in the midst of, you do such a good job of drawing these parallels to what God is doing, what God is doing in us, what God is doing in the world. I always leave our conversations just so deeply encouraged by the faith that you, that you live. Um, and I would love to um, talk a little bit more before we get into the questions on the prayer and the Psalms um, about your writing, because you're also a beautiful writer. And um, I've quoted one of your pastors, Duke Kwan, in one of my sermons not too long ago, but I've also quoted you. And part of your, one of the, my favorite things that you've written is your single ladies catechism. Um, and first of all, tell us, because not all of our listeners might be familiar, what's a catechism? And what was it like to write a single ladies catechism? <laughs> So um, a catechism is a um, piece of instructional religious um, literature that is used to train people in understanding how doctrine works on certain levels. Um, so there's the Westminster Catechism. Um, there's other catechisms, and they're usually in question and answer form. Um, like, what is the... Is that, what is the chief um end of man to know god and glorify him forever or something sorry no i love that i've been, I've been going back and like forth <laughs> to the one from i believe it's from heidelberg, heidelberg which is, yes. what is what is my only hope in life and in death it's that i belong mm -hmm. body and soul to the lord jesus christ like that feels like it was made yes. 
before the pandemic, you know, that no matter what my body, my soul belong to Jesus. It's beautiful. And if you're listening this morning, you're not familiar. We have this rich book of confessions in the Presbyterian church and it has all of these and the apostles creed and things like that. And it is just, I'll link to it in the show notes. It is well worth a read. And I'll link to um, Alicia's single ladies catechism as well, because it's, it's just really fabulous. We should put it in our book of confessions. <laughs> so it came about um, my church around the time that I had been writing it was talking about distinctives of Presbyterianism. And I was going through the process of becoming a deaconess. And um, they had us read the Westminster um, Confession. And I was really taken by the format um, and how um, easy it was to distill um, some very basic truths into a short um, answer and how it was used. And so around the same time as well, I had a number of friends who were struggling with being single and um, I wanted to encourage them. And I started praying about how can I encourage them? What could I say to them that might give them a feeling of hope or help them feel more at peace with where they are right now in their current um, situation. So I started off with a sheet of paper that was a blank except for a bunch of questions. And to be honest, when I started, a lot of the things are questions I had myself and I did not know the answer to. And mm. it sounds strange, but I really feel like I prayed that catechism into existence. Mm. Um, that I was like taking those questions to the Lord and being like, I don't have wisdom for this answer. And I need you to explain this to me because If someone came to me and they asked me this, I don't know that I'd have a good answer, but I know that you have a good answer for all the things. (laughs) Totally. Um, It's amazing how sometimes doing something for other people, right? You're trying to encourage your friends and God's like, mm -hmm. oh, no, no, no. I'm going to use this for you too. (laughs) There's going to be added benefit right here. So that's sort of, yeah, that's how it came about. I, I asked God a bunch of questions and I sat with him until the catechism came into existence basically um, and prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed and um, then wrote and observed what was going on in the world and dived into the word to see what um, it had to say about things and prayed some more. And um, I have um, a sister who is my AB tester. So I send her a lot of sentences (laughs) of things that I write and I'm like, Better A, better B, <laughs> like at the eye doctor. It's a brilliant way to do it. Better or a little fuzzy, better or clearer. Yeah. So um, that's something I've written. I think um, my blog originally started when I was living as an expat overseas to try and keep in touch with people, but mm. um, it's been something that's sort of taken on a life of its own. I wrote a lot on there when I was unemployed. So actually, I don't know if there are any people in your church who are unemployed, but there's like a year and a half worth of stuff that I wrote when I was out of work and grappling with what it looks like to trust the Lord in times of scarcity and when it's hard to be content. Um, And then I went through a season where I wrote a lot about singleness because I was thinking about it and my friends were thinking about it. Um, And now I have some writing projects that aren't necessarily on the blog and I write for other people um, in other places, but yeah. I will, I will link to that for sure. It was, I'm not single and haven't, you know, Daryl and I've been married for 13 years now, but there was still, it, it was a deep encouragement to me and a reminder of the pain of that season. And I think churches need to be 
just thinking about how we think about and talk about and minister to and alongside singles. Because often the church does really feel like this is a place for for partnered people. And if you're not mm-hmm. married, it's it's a, it can be a harder place to be. So I just so appreciate your voice and your wisdom in this in this space and the the vulnerability um, and the truth in in that piece. It's really beautifully written. Thanks to your sister. Thanks. <laughs> well, you had a specific group of people. We always ask our guests who they would like to pray for this morning. And there's a specific group on your heart that we want to invite our listeners to pray for today. Who is that? International students. Say a little bit more about that. I know you work with international students, but it sounds like they're they're having a bit of a rough go right now. Even yeah, getting home. It, it is. So I work with international students for my job and um, country borders close quite abruptly and um, students from poorer countries um, who are less likely to have um, personal resources, whose countries are less likely to be able to handle um, an outbreak um, and more likely to close their borders um, and have and not have direct flights are being affected um, deeply by travel restrictions um, and the stress of knowing that you're in a country uh, in a foreign country and your family and friends are not here and you perhaps don't have enough money to um, sustain yourself uh, in the U.S. until you can get a flight home. Like, I just can't imagine what it's like to know that, like, I finished my degree program, but my country is not letting me back in until July. And so I have two, three months, but no money. Um, Yeah. And so um, a lot of people are stuck or having to just um, wrestle with, like, what does it look like to get home? What if I go home and I can't come back if they're not done with their degree programs? Mm-hmm. Having to calculate those risks, people who are already under-resourced, um, or maybe it's worse in their home country and they don't want to go home. So there's just another a number of factors um, that they're facing. But in my specific caseload, it's a lot of people who are having a hard time finding a way to get back to smaller countries where they don't have personal resources to cover the um, time that would be needed. Yeah, that that is not something that's been on my radar at all, but I can't imagine how stressful and scary what that would be. Not to mention, okay, your country's closed till July, probably, right? So much is changing yeah. <laughs> that it might be like just getting two more weeks, but now you have a plane ticket and it's not going to work. And there's just yeah. there are a lot of factors there. We have a lot of college students at our church um, that are within the country and even getting some of them home was really stressful. I know for their families and worrisome and what does it mean to, you know, drive across state lines and stay in a hotel? Is that safe? How do we do that? And yeah. internationally, those factors just have to be compounded exponentially. So that's our call this morning, friends. We're going to pray for international students who are here in the U.S. studying for provision and for safety and that they would be able to be reunited with their families, hopefully sooner rather than later. That is a tough thing. I'm glad you're in it with them, Alicia, and helping the ways that you can. And we have a psalm we're going to share this morning. And you you talked a little bit about maybe reading it in Hebrew, and then we switched psalms. So now we're going to read it in English. But 
Um, I love that that's even a possibility for you. I got through that exam in seminary and I was like, praise the Lord, I have survived. Goodbye. I love Greek. I still read Greek. My Hebrew is rustier than, my Hebrew is actually all rust. There's no substance there. It's just, it's just rust now. Um, but you're going to read Psalm 77. Tell us a little bit about why you've chosen that Psalm for us this morning. Um, so actually, I really wanted to read Psalm 78, but it's way too long. Um, it's about people, um, the need to remember the Lord, um, and all of the things that happened to Israel when they forgot about the Lord and just this continuous cycle of God doing something great, them forgetting him wooing them back somehow. And then them being like, all right, God's good. But then, so as I was lamenting the fact that 78 is too long for this, I turned my gaze towards 77. (laughs) I love that there's a whole backstory for us. It's awesome. (laughs) And it says, in the day of trouble, I seek the Lord. And I read it and I thought this feels very appropriate for people who feel like life is sort of collapsing in on them right now. Hmm. Um, Or just that it maybe isn't the way that they would like for it to be. Yeah. All right. Whenever you're ready. And we are Presbyterian, so when you're done, I'm going to say this is the word of the Lord because it's like a reflex. I can't help it. Yeah, we do it at my church too. (laughs) Perfect. Well, join me in that when you're done. (laughs) I cry aloud to God, aloud to God, and he will hear me. In the day of my trouble, I seek the Lord. In the night, my hand is stretched out without wearying. My soul refuses to be comforted. When I remember God, I moan. When I meditate, my spirit faints. Selah. You hold my eyelids open. I am so troubled that I cannot speak. I consider the days of old, the years long ago. I said, let me remember my song in the night. Let me meditate in my heart. Then my spirit made a diligent search. Will the Lord spurn forever and never again be favorable? Has his steadfast love forever ceased? Are his promises at an end for all time? Has God forgotten to be gracious? Has he in anger shut up his compassion? Selah. Then I said, I will appeal to this, to the years of the right hand of the Most High. I will remember the deeds of the Lord. Yes, I will remember your wonders of old. I will ponder all your work and meditate on your mighty deeds. Your way, O God, is holy. What God is great like our God. You are the God who works wonders. You have made known your might among the peoples. You with your your arm redeemed your people, the children of Jacob and Joseph. Selah. When the waters saw you, O God, when the waters saw you, they were afraid. Indeed, the deep trembled. The clouds poured out water. The skies gave forth thunder. Your arrows flashed on every side. The crash of your thunder was in the whirlwind. Your lightnings lighted up the world. The earth trembled and shook. Your way was through the sea. Your path through the great waters. Yet your footprints were unseen. You led your people like a flock by the hand of Moses and Aaron. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Your way was through the sea. That Man, that sums up a lot right now. <laughs> I would like it to be on the dry land, but God has other plans. 
And there's, there's safety in the path that God has set before us, even if it's not the one that we would have chosen. Yeah. Well, thank you, Alicia. It's so good to hang out with you a little bit across the miles and hear those DC sirens in the background now and then. <laughs> Sorry about that. <laughs> oh, it just proves you're doing that city living thing. <laughs> it's been really great to talk with you too, Courtney. Thanks for being here. All right, friends, it was good to be with you. We'll be back again tomorrow morning, Friday. And just a reminder, we are switching from a a seven-day-a-week podcast to a a six-day-a-week podcast. So it'll be Monday through Saturday. So you can join me tomorrow and you can join our worship director, Jeff Given, on Saturday. And then we're taking Sunday off. But join us for virtual live stream worship at 10 a.m. All right, friends, good to be with you today. I will see you or hear you or you will... I don't even know what to say anymore. We will be together virtually again tomorrow morning. Until then, take care, stay safe, and God bless.